coordination and bounds. to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know how every fall, winter, that meme circulates that's like, I can't wait till it gets cold so I can really start dressing. I'm just picturing Lenny Kravitz wrapped up in his blanket. I mean, it's immediately what came up for me when we started developing this episode, realizing that the things that make us feel good can come from such a wide range of places. And no matter what the season, it is really fun and really feels good to start dressing. Though sometimes it can be a journey to get to that feel good place. And I wondered, why is that so? I'm director of podcasts, Taylor Camille, and today we're speaking with Shakela Forbes-Bell and Sophie Strauss about why it can feel so good to really get dressed. And there's actually a psychology to it. In a nutshell, I would say that fashion psychology explores the different powers of our wardrobe and our, our hair and our beauty choices as well. These things have the power to shape the way you feel. My name is Shakela Forbes-Bell and I'm a fashion psychologist and author of the new book, Big Dress Energy. We know from research into things like enclosed cognition, which is a theory I talk about in the book, that you can actually utilize your clothes and your hair and your makeup to make you feel different ways as well. Um, as a fashion psychologist, my role is to really discover the why behind the what. So, you know, like what is driving people to buy certain things and not others? What is causing you to feel like you never have anything to wear? What influences your feelings when you wear certain things as other, and 
compared to others. So really my goal is to utilize all of the bounty of knowledge that is really available, but kind of outside of our reach and to get people to think deeply about what they're wearing and what they're buying as well. If you want to exude confidence, if you want to exude sexiness, if you want to exude calmness, like you can utilize your wardrobe to embody all of these different traits, but it's also the power to lean into different aspects of your identity as well. When we all have a multifaceted parts of our identity, Identity, but we don't showcase them all the time and we lean into those identities depending on what we're wearing. I give an example of me being, you know, a Trinidadian um, woman. That's where my family's from. And that's something that people automatically think of the costumes from the carnivals. And I feel like I'm more of that identity where I'm wearing, when I'm wearing that. But then when I'm wearing maybe something more laid back, like my hoodies or my sportswear, then I slip into more of my British identity. So these are just kind of easy examples of the various different ways that we use our aesthetics as a way to lean into different aspects of identity. But of course, as well, you have major things like body image. So when we talk about things like body image, we think about the unclothed body, but really we spend about 90% of our time in clothes. And we've all experienced that time where wearing something makes us feel different about our body, either positive or negative. So looking at how we can change the relationship with our clothes to influence that relationship for the better. And then again, thinking more deeply about why we do the things we do. I think a lot of us would say that we are champions on sustainability, but then for example, the way we shop and the things that we consume would completely disagree with that. So looking at how we can really change those habits and get into the root of why are you actually encouraged to buy these things? What psychological tactics are retailers using? How is your feelings and your circumstances at the time driving you to get certain things? Yeah, definitely. I think it can be difficult to kind of train our brains and sift through all of the the stuff to get back to what you often refer to as our core beliefs and really understanding why we want to buy this item or if we'll actually wear it. So how do we train our brains to kind of declutter all the noise and stick to what what will actually bring us joy and make us feel a sense of power? I think one of the first things that people should really do is to see if you can identify the tactics that are being used to persuade you to shop because obviously that's the retailer's goal right to make profit so looking at the sounds that you're hearing when you're going into a store and have you noticed that slower tempo music actually makes you slow down and spend more time in the store or looking at those FOMO adverts so ones that say last chance to buy or get it now you know those things that are picking up on your kind of ingrained need to be loss averse. As humans, we all loss averse. We think that losses loom larger than gains. Try a Zon for big savings store-wide. Come on, try the Bonton anniversary sale. Try a Zon for stepping out and stepping up, for turning heads and second looks. It's your style for the value that feels right for everything you need. So how can we make sure that, okay, we're identifying that's the trick at play. How can we not really buy into that so that we're not acting impulsively? How you can battle that kind of ingrained need to see what a bunch of other people are doing and automatically think that it's good. And acknowledging, no, taking a step back and thinking that might not necessarily be the case. But it's difficult because all of these things are very hardwired. So once you've gone through all of those steps to identify, you know, what's really happening, then you can engage in one of my rules, which I talk about is the four, three, two, one rule. So for example, four, the four stands for, am I going to be wearing this in four years' time? Think about the best version of yourself in four 
four years do you think that you're going to continue to wear this outfit an easy way to think about that as well as doing like a cost per wear analysis so thinking about the cost of the outfit how much you will plan to like maintain it if you want to get it tailored taken to the dry cleaners how often you think you're going to do that divided by the amount of times that you kind of plan to wear it maybe in a year and that will give you a good instinct of the value of what you're trying to buy and it will help you see if you can actually visualize yourself wearing it and then again the three takes that process even further thinking about three outfits or occasions where you can wear this outfit to really like paint that picture of how often you're going to make use out of this and then two, two deep breaths. So like I mentioned earlier, you have all of these tactics, all of these tricks, all of this psychological warfare that retailers are kind of putting in front of your face to really encourage you to buy something. So that is going to increase the level of dopamine that you have, that feel good chemical that's flooding your brain. And it cripples this area of the brain called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex that helps you weigh up decision. It helps you praise up pros and cons. When that area is overflowed with dopamine, you know, you're not going to be able to make a sound decision. So it's easier to make that impulse purchase that you get home and you think, why the hell did I buy this? Taking those two deep breaths to really calm down the system, fight against that rush, that adrenaline rush, that dopamine rush, and really give you a chance to calm it down and really engage in the introspection that you need. And then one night's sleep. I always say one night's sleep is a great rule if you're either planning to buy something or if you're planning to send a risky text to someone you know in the morning, that might look a little bit too risky or the thing you're buying, it might just look like it's absolutely ridiculous. I've practiced that so many times. I've left things in my basket. I've come back to it and I think, you know what? I don't need this or this is not something that's great for me or it's left my basket because I've gone there too long and I kind of feel checking with myself did that really hurt or didn't it so those are a few easy tips that we can do to really help to rejig our habits and rewire our brain to get us to shop in a more mindful way because I do want to get across that in this day and age, people kind of chastise you for liking fashion or wanting to have things. And, you know, we're not going to stop shopping anytime soon. Like that's not the case. We're not going to turn into nudists overnight. You know, we're still going to be engaging in clothes, engaging in fashion. So why don't we do it in a way that benefits us? And why don't we do it in a smart way? And I feel like that's the first step into being a more sustainable and to being a more mindful society that I feel like a lot of people are missing in this conversation. Oh, Okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when, in fact... You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. It's so easy to point the finger and say, oh, that's frivolous. But we all participate in whatever way, whether you wear a uniform or you are, you know, putting things together in your own closet. We all have to show up in, in our own way. I thought a study that was interesting that you talked about in the book as well was one that asked participants to really look at what clothes mean to them. And I wondered if you could go through the ways that they found that clothing impacts how we view ourselves, which is very, I think, enlightening on how we show up and what we decide to put on. So the first one is the person that we hope to be. So that is the best version of ourselves. Like, for example, for you, that would be 
Taylor may be in <laughs> Island in the Caribbean or with a million pounds in her account or like in a Hollywood magazine or something like that. So that I love this. When you imagine, <laughs> when you imagine that Taylor, you imagine how she looks, right? How she dresses. I, I would argue that she wouldn't look exactly like how you look now, which is the second version, which is the person that you are most of the time. So if we look at the outfits that we tend to kind of where often, you know, there's research that said that people only wear an average like five to 10 outfits and the rest of their wardrobe goes often unworn. So those outfits and those items would form part of the person you are most of the time. And then the final version would be the person that you fear to be. So this is like almost the worst version of yourself, you know, wearing outfits that don't align with who you are. But it's really weird because we often hold on to these outfits, how we hold on to things that remind us of a past self that we've completely evolved from. Um, we hold on to things mm-hmm. that no longer fit us. And every time we open our wardrobes, it's a reminder of um, a version of our bodies that we have, you know, we've moved on from, you know, whether you think it's good or bad, it's just not where you are right now, but we're still holding on to that. I talk about this concept called wardrobe ethnography which talks really about how your wardrobe is a collection of your decisions over your lifetime. And all of these decisions say something about where you are in that point in time. And they say something about your tastes, your likes, your dislikes, your identity, you know, what you are doing at that point. So it's really taking the concept of clothes and just pushing it beyond the aesthetic value and thinking about what they really mean to you and how they help you lean into these different aspects of yourself. And I think if we start thinking about our clothes like that, we'll stop like getting rid of items based on seasons or based on trends and start really looking at them as a tool to get to the person that we hope to be and to help us kind of as we move along in the in life as the person we are most of the time. Mm-hmm. I also wondered, you know, why so often we default to I have nothing to wear when we have a closet full of things. Is there some psychology or some studies behind that? And and yeah, how can we kind of grow out of that mindset? I just think we often get into that place because we've just disconnected from the things that we've bought because we buy them and then we haven't done steps four and three. So we haven't thought about ourselves four years time. We haven't thought about the three different outfits. So we've worn it and it's like, okay, that's done now. I think with social media as well and our increased access to celebrity culture, I think that's played a massive part in it. That whole rewear ick and, oh, I can't wear that. I've already posted it. And that kind of horrendous mindset that I think a lot of people have adapted to. I think that's why we see a lot of our clothes as redundant um, and we don't see the, the true value in them we don't want to engage with them anymore so I feel like with this default I have nothing to wear again it's just that level of detachment but there's a way to create that reconnection just by engaging in a bit more of this kind of mindful thinking and engaging in your in your clothes and your wardrobe with a psychological hound Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so let's say you do step out to buy something even though you may have a closet full of things and even in the store you're not immediately seeing anything that resonates until you do That's a theory known as product image congruence. Chakela explains. 
I think as humans, we crave to be seen and we crave to be part of something. And we are drawn to symbols that we think are reflective of us. We're always looking to see positive reflections of us back because that helps us kind of feed into our need to belong and it helps us find our people. When we see products or even brands or images that we think are a positive reflection of us, we're naturally going to be drawn to it. And there's even studies that said that when people are wearing in-season clothes or like trendy items, they're deemed to be more sociable because again that leads to our need to belong we want to feel like we're part of the current cultural zeitgeist we want to feel like we belong and we're adhering to these norms even though we balance this desire to belong with our desire to stand out as well very clear example of how our clothes can help us feel like we're part of something bigger but we've seen that again in even social movements um we've seen like with our the hands off my hijab protest that happened in france with the million hoodie march that happened in new york you know clothes can be a powerful tool to bring people together but you can use it on your in your everyday little world and your bubble to feed into your different social social dynamics as well you want to feel like you're aligned with something and um you fit in and that's just something that's normal to humans it's not something to be to be ashamed of um just making sure that you're not losing your individuality too much when you're engaging in that kind of dressing mm-hmm. and then the flip side of that is when you don't feel like you can see yourself reflected or that you like have a place or home and then the side effects from that that can affect our well-being it's just interesting how we outwardly appear when we all know we shouldn't judge a book by its cover can have such effects on our well-being and how we treat one another. I think, yeah, as much as we say we don't judge, you know, first impressions occur within 0.10 seconds. And in that time, you know, we're not thinking about the person's background, the person's personality. You know, we're making judgments based on their outward appearance. I did my thesis about multicultural marketing within fashion and how that impacts consumer behavior. And I essentially found that, you know, people they are more likely to put their money into brands that showcase models that reflect their same ethnic and racial and like cultural identity. And that's because when we don't see these representations, we internalize them. We feel like, you know, we're not someone that is belonging to like the traditional standards of beauty or we don't have a place within society and we internalize that negatively and impacts our self-concept, you know, the way we think about ourselves and our position within the world. So I think it's in it's incredibly important and oftentimes that's the case, especially with minorities, you can feel that you don't have a have a place. So it's great to utilize your clothes to kind of, you know, celebrate that when you really champion your culture, champion your background, it can help you feel more complete and feel more whole as a person. So there's definitely ways we can utilize clothes to just step into our the most authentic version of ourselves. When you do finally get dressed and you feel good about how you got dressed. You mentioned two psychologists who studied like the impact behind clothes and how they make us feel. And you mentioned this at the top of enclosed cognition. Yeah. So two psychologists, Harjo and Adam in, I think it was 2012. So they got a group of participants together and they made them all wear white coats. And then they split the group into two. Um, They told one group that their coat was a doctor's coat 
um, like, you know, the traditional white coats that doctors wear. And they told group two that their white coat was just a painter and decorator's coat. And then they got them to complete a series of tests. So like a Stroop test, which is essentially when you look at um, the word blue, but it's written in red ink. And then you're asked to say what the color of the word is. So those tests that acquire a lot of focus. Um, and the results revealed that the participants who were told that they were wearing the doctor's coat performed significantly better on those tests, even though there was no difference in the capabilities between both groups. And they concluded that there was the presence of a mind clothes connection, which essentially means that the meanings that we ascribe to our clothes, we're going to embody them so that they don't just change the way we feel, but they can change the way we act as well. Think about the associations that we have with doctors, that they are attentive, that they're very astute, um, that they um, you know, perform very well. So because they had all those associations, when they wore the uniform of the doctor, they were able to relate all of those positive associations into their into a positive performance um, in the test. So thinking about all of the situations that we find ourselves in daily lives, thinking first about how we want to feel and how we want to perform let's say a date and you want to show up as your most, you know, appealing, alluring self, what outfits do you associate with that? Or even thinking about the type of people that you aspire to be. Maybe if you're going on a, on a job interview, you're giving a big conference talk and you want to show up as someone that's very confident, someone that's very with it. Think about the people you admire, what they wear, thinking about what you have in your wardrobe that is similar to that so that you're really utilizing your brain power to make all of those associations so that when you actually have that outfit and you put it on, you're going to embody that and you're going to perform your best self. It doesn't matter what job you do or how you look or whatever your perception of fashion or clothes are. By the simple act of getting dressed every day, you've become an active participant in the process of fashion. Clothes have the power to shape the way people think about you, the way you think about yourself, the identity you lean into or the identity that you conceal, the way you feel about your body and the way you think in general. So why not utilize all of these powers for the benefit so that you can increase your well-being and just feel better in general and also inadvertently become more sustainable? So I had an event where I needed to have an outfit that I was going to embody people I really admired and show up as my best self. And I had just the person at my disposal to help me get there. So you're going to the ballet. Mm-hmm. Tell me when. And- okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure 
how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Next Sunday. (laughs) The Solange Ballet. Yes, that's me in my virtual styling session with Sophie Strauss, who describes herself as a stylist for regular people. Tell me a little bit, like, what comes to mind when you think about how you want to dress for this stylistically more than like the level of formality. Like, are you like, yes, I'm, I want to do, I want to be as close to like the me version of Solange as possible. Are you like, no, my version of creative is something different. Like what's exciting to you? I mean, I mean, I'm willing to go to the dressy level, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Special. It's special. Yeah. Your 30th birthday present to yourself too, right? Exactly. But when I think of what the you version of Solange is, Mm. and I don't know what your daily like personal style is. And I I do want you to sort of tell me about that in a second, but like, I feel like it's a lot of, it's architectural, Mm -hmm. not necessarily like, oh, you have to be in crazy shapes or anything like you know, but it's very, like the lines are very clean. Even if it's something that's sort of drapey or interesting, it often has like interesting layers to it or an interesting shape to it. Maybe some asymmetry or a really sharp line. It's a lot of solid colors. It's like yeah. all solids pretty much, except like an occasional snake print. Yeah. I feel like Tessa Thompson does a little bit more of like lately, especially there's like a real volume, you know, a lot of Christopher John Rogers, like a real, yes, billowy vibe. And then like a little dominatrix. Mm-hmm. God, she's so cool. <laughs> this is maybe, is this like, feels like maybe a little too much stuff or are you into it? I'm into it. And that was just the beginning. Why do you describe yourself as a stylist for regular people? I love it, but I just feel like I need <laughs> the answer. When people think of stylists, I think they really think of celebrities and really like high fashion, glamorous stuff. And I love that stuff, but I wanted it to feel really, really accessible and, and actually be accessible in practice. So that's why I say regular people, because I think 99% of us, and maybe even a hundred percent of us identify on some level as like a regular person. Yeah. And so why do you think it feels so good for us regular people to get dressed, whether that be for a special event or just like every day I need something to wear to work? Yeah. Well, I think it doesn't always feel so good for a lot of people when it's stressful or it doesn't feel affirming. But I think that when it's all right, it feels like the truest version of yourself, even if that's different day to day, but depending sort of on what you're feeling, I think that it's really 
it boosts your confidence. I think that it feels like it does a lot of heavy lifting for you, right? The way you dress can communicate how you're feeling that day, how you want to be perceived that day without ever having to tell anybody. It can be almost like the first line of defense or it can be, you know, a conversation starter. And I think it totally changes how we relate to other people. And I think that's the core of what makes us all feel good or bad is sort of interpersonal connection or disconnection. Yeah, it's so real. So many feelings came up when you said that. (laughs) It's just like, it's so real because I could just be like, okay, this is how I feel. Like, act accordingly. You say you serve regular people. Why is it so important to you to serve regular people? And when do your clients usually come to you? I will say that the sort of people who come to me with like the most deep sense of like personal urgency. Cause there's obviously people who are like, Oh, I have this event and I don't have a dress. I'm guilty. But then there are people, <laughs> and then there are people who are like really, really struggling with their identity in some way. Mm-hmm. And so they come to me and I often say at transitional moments and, and coming out of the pandemic has sort of been a transitional moment for everybody. Right. The majority of my clients are postpartum moms whose bodies have really changed people who've either gained or lost weight in the pandemic or in their life in general, Mm -hmm. uh, people who came out of the pandemic and got a new job, uh, people who spent the pandemic in pajamas and kind of lost touch with what does it mean to be presentable? Mm -hmm. People have often come to me when they're experimenting with their sort of like gender presentation, my experience is gender presentation for events, specifically weddings. That's like the, a really, really common one because I think people are balancing how do I present myself in a way that feels true to the gender identity I feel mm-hmm. while also being like wedding appropriate and respectful to the couple who's getting married. And maybe there's parents involved and maybe you're in a conservative space or like there are all of these sort of things that come together and finding the right clothes can mean like safety in a lot of ways, right? It can mean mm-hmm. safety in terms of like feeling true to yourself and not feeling gender dysphoria it can also mean safety in that like you're presenting in a way that you're not going to be uncomfortable in like a family setting. And mm-hmm. all of those things I think people want and often need, like I'll say guidance or just like affirmation that it's okay to, to dress the way that you want to dress yeah, and that there's no rules except that you should feel great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think you do such a good job of kind of like overthrowing those like really pervasive and exclusive narratives and notions that so often fashion can have of like, your body isn't good enough to wear this cool clothing or like you must be on the trend of this season. But how have you kind of infused that into your work and like really made that a priority in your styling? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that ties back to your first question, which is like, why do I emphasize the sort of regular people of this? And I think that I think of it as the people who fashion has neglected or forgotten or like kept out. Don't we all have a memory of like standing in a dressing room and putting something on that just doesn't look great. It doesn't make us feel great. And we're like, I want to cry and leave. And like, maybe, joy. <laughs> yeah, does that spark joy? And, and so like my thing is saying, yes, like you're not like most people have that feeling and you're not wrong to be frustrated or triggered by the fact that you've been made to feel like your body should fit clothes and not the clothes should fit your body. And then in terms of the trends thing, I think that really kind of comes 
from a couple of different directions. One, I think trends in that way are also really prescriptive. They mm-hmm. say, this is what is cool and you have to fit inside that box as opposed to what's cool to you. There's millions of millions, millions of pieces of clothes out there. We can find the thing that feels good to you. I think scrolling on Instagram or TikTok fashion can feel really like homogenous. Everybody has to be in their clean girl moment or mm-hmm. their, you know, oversized this or their you know, cottage core, like whatever the thing du jour is, it can be like, oh shit, I need to go buy all this new stuff to fit into this trend and all my old stuff doesn't apply anymore. I have to go get rid of it. Yeah. And then we get not only in something that makes people feel like, well, do I have to subscribe to a trend that doesn't actually speak to me, but also it's not sustainable in terms of our planet, right? It, it's so disposable. It's so fast. There's big picture cultural trends, but on a micro level, most sort of fashion trends are this itch generated by like the fashion industry and capitalism to get us to shell out money every week. I mean, if it's Zara, it's like every week. If it's Shein, it's every day, right? Every Every single day (laughs) to get us to buy clothes that are going to break down, that are made often in really, really unethical ways that are horrible to workers and that are going to, you know, last for a week and then you get rid of it or you throw it away or you quote unquote donate it to somebody who's never going to wear it, to, you know, and then it ends up in a landfill. And constantly sort of wrestling that with doing this work is like, I want people to feel good. Sometimes that means buying new clothes, but I don't want to say, but you have to jump on this really, really harmful, self-neglecting train of fast fashion and trends to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said at the start, like each day you might feel different. One day you might feel like cottage core. One day you might feel like being rainbow bright. One day you might feel like, and so like, let your wardrobe be as nuanced as we are as people. Totally. Yes. How do you, I mean, you've probably seen so many transformations or just kind of like rejuvenations, I guess, as we reevaluate our wardrobes to better like our sense of self. How have you seen the well-being of your clients and others kind of transform as you help them reevaluate their wardrobes? Yeah. The first thing is 70% maybe of the sessions that I do end with somebody going, oh my God, did I overshare? Did that was kind of like therapy, to, right? The things that come up when we talk about how we dress are mm-hmm. chronic illness, body dysmorphia, gender dysphoria, eating disorders, like self-worth, sexuality, like all of these things really, really, really come up. Yeah, And I think that oftentimes people feel a little ashamed to admit that something as quote unquote superficial as their clothes impacts how they feel. Mm. I've had clients tell me that their therapists have sort of dismissed when they bring up like not really feeling like comfortable in their clothes or not feeling cool or not feeling their age or their style and being sort of dismissed as like, well, that's superficial. Yeah. And sure, but it's it's also something that impacts how all of us move through the world. And to pretend that that's not true, I think is like really sort of cruel to people. And so the thing that I see is people feeling so validated in what's been hard for them and, and excited about themselves, I guess. And, and do I think that's going to like save the whole planet and world from you know, downfall? No. Like, do I think fashion is the most, I don't think it's the most important thing. I really don't even as a stylist, but I do think it's an important thing. There's 
there's something about wearing clothes that just sort of effortlessly feel true to who you are that allows you to be fully present in your life in a way that when you're sort of in something fussy or uncomfortable or that doesn't feel true to you, you're like never really fully present because you're constantly Mm -hmm. adjusting or uncomfortable or overthinking. And doing this work gives people like the sort of tools to go and like fully be themselves in their life. That feels good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good answer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it just has so many different layers to it and it affects us all on different levels. But yeah, it does affect us. So how do how can we overcome like whether it's, you know, your body has changed or like our weight has fluctuated. How do we kind of learn to make our own rules when it comes to our style and not feeling like we have to be so rigid in how we show up? Yeah, I think that starts with actually learning what you like and what you don't like and learning a little bit about your own body, even if your body is constantly changing, like checking in, you know, in a non-qualitative way, right? Not going, my body is good or bad right now, but just my body is is this size or this shape or feeling this way, this comfortable, this uncomfortable, like those kinds of things. And then learning a little bit about clothes, construction, fabric, and not in any sort of like extreme, you know, oh, you have to be a fashion designer to understand this. I mean, really basic. And I did this like little explainer on my Instagram, but I feel like it, it, it sort of does a good job of explaining what I mean when I say like learning your personal style preferences. I think a lot of people are surprised to realize they don't know that answer. I mean, you know, where do you like your pants to sit? Where do you not like your shirt to hit? What bothers you? What makes you feel good? What print do you like? What color? What fabrics are itchy to you and comfortable to you? Like the way that I, the the analogy I like to use is the way that most people are with clothes is sort of like if every single time you went to a restaurant, you looked at the menu and you had no idea what you like or don't like about food. Every one of us goes to a restaurant, we look at the menu and maybe we're really adventurous and we like most things. And we're just like, well, I'm kind of in the mood for something, you know, light today. So I'm going to have a salad. I'm in the mood for something really comfy. So I'm going to have a grilled cheese. Or maybe you're like, I'm lactose intolerant. I can't order the grilled cheese. Or maybe you go, I hate tomatoes. So I'm not going to get the margarita pizza. And we have all these things. It's not like we have to think about them super hard. They're just there. So our eyes kind of gravitate towards the things and like, yeah, every once in a while, we don't like a dish and whatever. But ultimately, we have this set of personal preferences that we've taken notice of over the course of our lifetime. And those tastes can change. Of course, we can go, oh, well, I'll try something new. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. But it helps us make informed decisions to make eating an enjoyable experience, right? You spend money. Mm-hmm. When you go out to dinner, you're going to get a dish that you like, as opposed to like, oh God, well, I'm a vegetarian who hates black pepper, but I ordered the steak and black pepper sauce. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to like that. And <laughs> that's sort of how we are. Like, can you imagine if every time you went to a restaurant, you were like going in totally unaware of anything that you liked or didn't like. And every time is like this shot in the dark, God, I hope I like what I order because I have no idea what any of these ingredients are like and how I feel about them. And that's how people shop. Yeah. And I think that like that's people's closets are full of things that they, they decisions like. they made like that, yeah. that they don't like and they don't know and they don't even know why. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of what I do in these clean outs and consults is starting there is going, let's figure out what you like, like put something on that you love, but you never wear. And let's figure out why that's where I love to start because that reveals 
so much. Why do you love it? Why do you not love it? Because if you don't know, you're going to buy the same piece over and over again that you don't know why you don't like it. And it's going to sit in your closet and then you're going to throw it away. You're going to donate it. It's going to end up in a landfill. The cycle continues. continues. So that's what I want to do with people is help them actually like learn their own preferences, not my preferences, theirs. Right. And she did exactly that in our consult. I'm not trying to dress you like me. And sometimes people come to me and they're like, I really like how you dress. Can we do that? And it's like, sure. But I think that there are a lot of stylists have a sort of, this is what style is. And everybody needs to get onto this like train or boat or whatever you want that metaphor to be. Yeah. And my thing is kind of like, I want to make you do the best version of what you like and what I like doesn't matter. Right. Like that's the point of personal style. So Tell me about like your style and how you mm-hmm. feel like you dress. And and if you like how you dress or if you're still figuring that out and talk yeah. about how you want to feel. I'll say that my style, it varies. I probably will like bend my style a little bit considering the event. But if I had to describe it. Yeah, it can be. I think people feel like when they get asked that question, they have to pick like one word. word. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I don't think anybody is like that. And so you can, it can be like a couple words. It can be some eras. It can be some stories. They can have nothing to do with each other. I yeah. am, we contain multitudes. I'm capable okay, of great. understanding all of those great. things. One day I'll be more tomboy and one day I'll be more femme. So sometimes it's like marrying those two worlds together. Hmm. And then I think also like my East Coast and West Coast kind of like have a play. Like sometimes it's like I would never wear a turtleneck on the West Coast, <laughs> but like on the East Coast, I'm like, here's my turtleneck sweater dress, <laughs> like, you know, and like paired with this. Um, so I don't know. I think those are like the two worlds that I kind of like play with when it comes to my style. My number one piece of advice for every single person is to play dress up. And it sounds silly, but I think all of us probably have at least once in our lives played some form of dress up and without any particular purpose, right? And it was so freeing and I think liberating when you were a kid, but now we get dressed out of urgency. And sometimes if we feel good about it, we have some fun with it. But ultimately, most of us are working. We have kids, we have lives, we have jobs, we have whatever. And when you are getting dressed, especially like for a dinner or an event for something special for work, you're like, I got up, I had my coffee, I made my breakfast, I got to get dressed. I have 10 minutes to get dressed. And either one of two things happens. You reach for the uniform that you know is comfortable, but doesn't really feel very inspired because you just wear the same thing every day, but you know at least you're not going to hate it. Or you reach for something in a panic that maybe is exciting or interesting. Okay, yeah, this is this is bold, but I'm going to be pulling at it and adjusting it all day and self-conscious. And both of those are recipes for not feeling like your best self. Set aside an hour or two, one afternoon. Again, pour a glass of wine if that's you. I don't know, smoke some weed if that's you. Have a cup of tea if that's you. Put on a, an album that you love. Light a candle. And give yourself like an hour or two to play around and try stuff on, to try stuff on and go, okay, well, what if I rolled this up? What if I took this in? Like think about like Rihanna, right? It's like, what if I wear this mini skirt over this really long button down? What would that look like? 
what would this look like? Like, like what if I wore six shirts on top of each other? Like who gives a fuck, right? Play with it because we don't have that time when we're like leaving the house. So what I say is if you want to learn your preferences, play around, look in the mirror, take pictures and look, do I like this? Do I not like this? Why do I like it with this belt and not that belt? Why do I like it tucked in and not tucked in? And, and ask yourself those questions and, and those preferences will start to form organically. You don't have to force it. It'll, it'll come together. And if not, reach out to me and I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> and when do you feel your best? I feel my best, I think, when I have put something on that surprised me in how much I like it. When I feel like I took that extra second and not like, oh, uh, to extra second for myself, not, not even necessarily that, but that I had a, a moment where I was going to reach for the thing I always go for. And I thought, hmm, what about this? And I gave myself the time to put it on and play around with it. And I've surprised myself. I love that feeling because then I think I feel, it makes me feel creative. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel expressive. It's like, you know, making a painting or doing something like that. Like it's, it's fun and joyful. What has fashion done for you and your well-being, as well as the well-being of the lives that you're, you're helping? I think for me, it makes me feel, and I think this is honestly what all of us feel is it makes us feel just a tiny bit of control in a world that feels really out of control because in many ways it is very out of control. Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's really what it means to me at its best is that it's something that sets us up to bring our best selves to each other so that we can actually mm-hmm. like make the world a better place. But I don't think on its own, it makes the world a better place. <laughs> I think there's limits to how useful it can be. Like you can feel amazing, but if you just use it to like, you know, do nothing, then fine. But if you feel amazing and so you feel confident enough to go be a part of an organization or help, you know, get involved in your community or go interact with people and learn about other people's experiences and form and grow your empathy, then it's meaningful. And so I got out into the world. I found the dress considering that 4321 advice from Shakela and the style tips I received from Sophie. And sure, it wasn't as emotional of a decision that sometimes getting dressed day in and day out can be, but it was important that on that day for that special occasion, I felt my best so I could show up as my best and be in community with others, engaged in the present moment, and that I could continue to channel that energy long after the ballet was over and into my not-so-glitzy everyday moments. On today's show, you heard from Shakela Forbes-Bell and Sophie Strauss. This episode was scripted in part by Haley Pascalides and produced by Ella Dove, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.